Hello, and welcome to the online gathering for worship from Markham Baptist Church in Markham, Ontario, Canada. It's not the same, is it? My wife Chris and I have recently begun doing socially distant visits with our grandchildren. At the end of the visit, we give them a hug and a kiss. Well, actually, they stand two meters distant from us. They put their arms around themselves, as do we, and we blow kisses to each other. It's not the same. I'm delighted, as always, that Craig asked me to fill in for him while he's taking some holidays. But what you're seeing this morning is less than my best. Do you know how I know that? Well, it's because you're not in the sanctuary at 110 Church Street, or you're not here in the property beside the church where we're taping today. There's no way for me to know how I'm doing. The one thing YouTube cannot do for me is to let me see if you're restless. To let me see if you're paying more attention to your coffee and your muffin sitting on the dining room table than you are to what's being said. So it's not my best. It's not the same. It certainly was not the same for God's people in Babylon. I, I'm not even going to ask you to imagine what it must have been like for them. The, the world was so much different than ours is. I'm tempted to say imagine this, but I know we can't do it. According to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, the Jews who were exiled to Babylon met in that city what must have appeared to them as a bewildering potpourri of places of worship. Babylonian texts themselves refer to 50 temples, 180 open-air shrines to a god named Ishtar. There were 300 deuses, in other words, places to to, to set up for one bunch of gods. 1,200 deuses for another bunch of gods. Remember, the Jews were the people who were told that sacrifices were made in one place and one place only, the Jerusalem temple. And of course, the crafting of images was forbidden. For many, perhaps for most of God's people, Babylon was no wonder of the world. It was a spiritual hell on earth. Has this pandemic exile felt like that for you? The truth be told, on the surface, life has not changed very much for me. Oh yes, there was a cancelled concert with the Toronto Symphony and two trips that will wait till at least next year. There was a learning curve with ordering groceries online from Loblaws, but I now think I should add that skill to my resume, should I ever need another resume. But there have been some subtle disappointments. The concert that I mentioned that has been cancelled was to have been Sir Andrew Davis leading the Toronto Symphony and also being the soloist for the Saint-Saëns Organ Concerto. 
Sir Andrew still lives an active life, but he is 76. So is that concert ever likely to be rescheduled? Probably not. And while I get the same groceries from Loblaws as I did from No Frills, for a little higher cost, obviously, I, I don't see Kevin Doran when I'm ordering online. I'm not able to say hello to Heidi Riley when I'm ordering online. It sounds overdramatic at very least to say that this has been a time of exile and it's not the same, but I do long for the days ahead when as a preacher I can be greeted with a handshake or hug or even by someone with a puzzled look who says, I've got a question for you. We are going to return to 110 Church Street. It, it may be with our masks on, but restaurants are now open. Splash pads are providing children relief from the summer heat. Church is going to be open again. And some folks are wondering why. Some are asking if we truly need a building. After all, one of the things we know about God's people is that not all of them returned from Babylon. Perhaps it was never said but maybe there were some who at least thought, who needs Jerusalem? Who, who needs the temple? As I wrote this message for today, I realized that it was becoming more and more personal. And, and I realized that this is God's word for me today. And perhaps God's word for you will be something a little different than how it spoke to me. You see, place is important for me. Let me tell you about another small pandemic disappointment. Last autumn, as they always do, the Blue Jays announced their schedule for the next summer. So last fall, they announced the schedule for 2020. And I'm celebrating a decade birthday later this month of August. And when I checked, I discovered that the home side was hosting the Chicago Cubs on my birthday. One of the storied franchises of baseball was going to be at the Rogers Center on my birthday. Well, there was only one place that I was going to be, except I'm not. I'm going to be in my backyard. And the, at the risk of sounding like a petulant five-year-old, it's not going to be the same. Place is important. Place is certainly important for God's people rebuilding the temple. And, and time was also important. Let's, let's, let's look at the timing first. We are told in Ezra 1.1 that this is the seventh month. The name of that month is Tishri. In today's world, uh, well, this would be a month of time and a half for unionized workers. There are some serious holy days going on in this month. It begins with the Feast of Trumpets, better known as Rosh Hashanah. Then Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This is the one day of the year when the high priest and only, only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies or the, the most holy place. And then there's the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. 
Listen to what God says in Leviticus 23 about the Feast of Tabernacles. You shall live in booths for seven days. All that are citizens of Israel shall live in booths so that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 23 verses 42 and 43. This was a time of some serious celebration of God's providential care, the, the seventh month. Nor is there anything casual about the place that is chosen. Scholars tell us that there was more of a sense of importance of place in the ancient world. Well, that's true, but it's not that considerations of place have been completely forgotten in our world either. Last fall, which as many of you know, last fall seems like forever ago. But Chris and I visited Banff, Alberta. You may have heard that the president of the Canadian Pacific Railway, the first president, I believe, of Canadian Pacific Railway, Cornelius Van Horn, said about Alberta, if you can't export the scenery, we'll import the tourists. And when those tourists were imported on Van Horn's CP trains, they were brought to the Banff Springs Hotel, which, if you've seen it, you know that it's in exactly the right place, both to be seen and as a vantage point for seeing everything around it. Well, multiply that by about a thousand times and you'll get some feel for how important it was to build the new altar and the new temple on the foundations of what had gone before. It had been in the right place according to God. It had to go back in that right place. There's so much here. And I'm running out of time. But there's one more insight that was helpful to me and I hope will be for you also. Have a look at verse 11 of our text. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. I think the reason it was vital for God's people to go back to the holy city, vital for them to celebrate at the right time and in the right place, that was all because of God's steadfast love. The steadfast love that endures forever. Now here's a theme, here's an idea, here's a promise that bubbles to the surface time and time again in the story of God and his people. We, we, we heard that phrase, the steadfast love of God, in the response of Psalm this morning, Psalm 57. As you might expect, there's some very specific times. In, in 2 Chronicles 7, we are told about King Solomon dedicating the first temple built in Jerusalem. We are told that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That when the people saw this evidence of God's presence, they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, and you can probably guess what's coming, saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, that theme, the steadfast love of God enduring. Remember, I said how personal this sermon became to me as I wrote it. I was particularly struck by this insight. 
I believe God, through the words of Ezra, wants us to see the connection between Solomon leading God's people in the dedication of the first temple and the returning exiles marking the laying of the foundations for the second temple, both witnessing their belief that God's steadfast love endures forever. And it would be easy for me to jump ahead and say that this is evidence that God wants us to have a place set aside for worship and that, and that we need to be back here at 110 Church Street. But that would be to ignore a vital difference in these two stories. There's nothing in what is said about the second temple to indicate that it was ever filled with the glory of the Lord as was Solomon's temple. And so you have the, the story of the first temple of Solomon and, and, and a cloud fills it, the glory of the Lord fills it. Never said, never said about the second temple built after the exile. I think that this is pointing us towards a new reality and you probably might guess where I'm going. Jesus hints at this new reality in the cleansing of the temple story in John's Gospel. He speaks of a temple being destroyed and three days later being raised up. John's explanatory comment is this, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. That's John 2.21. He was speaking of the temple of his body. And some of you who are listening are thinking, well, I'm right. Jesus is the temple that is filled with the glory of God. I don't need a building. But there are others of us, others like me, who are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. It is in the building that I am particularly aware of being part of that glorious body, the church, where the word of his glory is shared and where we know the communion of his presence. Friends, that is why, when it is as safe as it can be, we will return to that particular place, 110 Church Street. Well, we know that there is nothing that makes this spot any more holy than the homes and businesses and eventually the schools where we live out the other part of our lives. When we come back to our beloved 110 Church Street, we're not going to look for the glory of God to appear because we're in that particular place. But it is in that place that holy things happen. Babies are dedicated. Believers are baptized. A man and a woman become husband and wife. The lives of those departed saints are celebrated. Common bread and juice become more than symbols of the body and shed blood of Jesus. And though there is no visible cloud, just as surely as it happened with young Solomon in Jerusalem, we do get a glimpse in this place of the glory of God. How do we know this? Well, we know it because Jesus said it. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. It's not just to be in a particular spot. 
that we're coming back to 110 Church Street. It's to be with Him, to be with Jesus, to be the one who reveals God's glory, full of grace and truth. Amen.
to fight When the going gets tough and my strength's not enough I see you showing up like never before This battle for my heart, you took out from the start You are the peace when my mind's at war And oh, you will never stop fighting for me when I can't fight for myself Every word is a promise you keep Cause you love me like nobody else You stand up for me in the darkest night When my faith is weak You're still by my side You will never stop fighting for me You will never stop fighting for me In the perfect timing Make all things right. Ooh. You paint a civil life.